Lamar, how do you get over as a team the hurdle of the Chiefs, where it seems like they are the, the one team that... Uh, uh, consistently... yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, there we have it, folks. <laughs> Lamar has officially admitted the Chiefs are the Ravens' kryptonite. Just kidding, but not really. <laughs> Uh, wow, I am so excited to unpack this game along with some unter other entertaining and not so entertaining headlines from week three in the NFL with my good friend Jackson Hampton. <laughs> if anyone has listened to my podcast before, you know him. He is currently a senior at the University of Minnesota, where after graduation, he will be working as a data analyst at Optum. Of course, his nerdy qualities apply well while talking about football. <laughs> um, also, if you want to follow his Twitter to see all of those fun nerdy stats he has, his Twitter is jhampanalytics, which I now know because I'm officially following him. <laughs> Jackson, <laughs> how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. Um, been a pretty, or I guess the sad thing is the Cubs lost today. Today's uh, Wednesday, so probably the first of two losses, if I'm being honest. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> other than that, pretty good. I had a good weekend with the Packers and fancy team, so that's good. I wasn't going to bring the Cubs up just because I felt like that could be a sore so spot for you, but it sounds like you have no hope. Kind of expected. Uh, their offense the last 10 games, I think it is, they've had one game where they've scored 10 runs and the last – the other nine, they scored seven total. So after getting three hits today, I think we're back on that grind to where, yeah, three hits in one run won't win you many games in the playoffs. <laughs> Speaking of not winning games, <laughs> like that transition there. <laughs> that was nice. Um, let's talk about the Ravens and the Chiefs because as of now, Lamar has yet to beat the Chiefs. Is it true? Are the Chiefs Lamar and the Ravens kryptonite? I mean, if we're calling the Chiefs the Ravens kryptonite, then we might as well call the Chiefs everybody's kryptonite. Yeah, uh, I like that. That was good. I think they're just that good. But, I mean, three-game sample size. Uh, the Chiefs have beaten Lamar three times, including, like, I think it was his third start. So, if you want to read into it, sure. I don't think it's a huge deal. Lamar had a bad game, and the Chiefs are just a very, very good team. So uh, if you want to call them Lamar's kryptonite, I don't think you'd necessarily be wrong. But I think it's a little too early to tell. Small sample size. Okay, that's fair. But I do want to unpack this game with you because while three games is a small sample size, it does seem like the Chiefs have been fairly dominant, and maybe not necessarily just the Chiefs as a whole, but Patrick Mahomes. I think going into this game, well, you had the Chiefs winning, right? Yeah, okay. I believe so. Um, I, I did too. Correctly. But I think a lot of people were pretty high on the Ravens simply because the week previously – we saw Patrick Mahomes not play very well against the Chargers. And then we saw this. <laughs> yeah. um, I guess let's just talk about that a little bit. The Patrick Mahomes versus Lamar. 
So you don't think Lamar had a terrible game, do you? I mean, I, I don't think he played well at all. He definitely he definitely had a bad game. Um, I'm not going to try and sugarcoat it at all. But he definitely had a bad game. I don't think it was the worst quarterbacking performance we've ever seen. And I don't think we should make overreactions and say that Lamar Jackson's a bad quarterback because every quarterback has bad games. But, uh, yeah, so I, I think he played poorly, but I think we've seen a lot worse this season and prior seasons out of other star quarterbacks. So, yeah. Okay. Do you think this was more Lamar playing poorly or Mahomes playing superiorly? Is yeah. that a word? <laughs> uh, superior. Okay. Yeah. There we go. But I think I think it was definitely both. These are when Patrick Mahomes is passing for I forgot what it was like ten yards an attempt, pretty much something insane. Uh, and Lamar's only completing, I think it was like three and a half yards per attempt. You're not going to win many games if you're completing three and a half yards per attempt, and you're not going to lose many games if you're completing 10 yards per attempt. So, or if you're, yeah. So I think it was definitely both. I don't think the Chiefs will lose this game many times out of 10. I don't think the Ravens would win this game many times out of 10 even if you changed up the opposing team, but yeah, so. Okay, so you talked about how it wasn't necessarily just Lamar's fault, and I want to get into who else's fault it was, because watching that game as a whole, I just didn't think the Ravens looked very good. I didn't think Lamar played very well. I also don't think his receivers played very well. I think ultimately they were outcoached. Their defense wasn't nearly as good as the Chiefs' defense, and I never thought I would say that. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, they just looked like the inferior football team. Mm-hmm. I'd agree. I, uh, yeah, I mean, when Patrick Mahomes, I'm just looking at stats now, yeah, he ended up with nine yards per attempt, uh, QBR of 97.7 while also rushing for 26 yards. So when you have that sort of stat line, you can't just blame it on Lamar. You also have to blame it on the defense too. (laughs) And I think it just probably shows, if anything, maybe the Ravens miss more, or they miss Earl Thomas more than we might have originally thought after the first two games, Uh, especially considering their secondary is just getting beaten all day by the Chiefs wide receiver core and Travis Kelsey. But yeah, I mean, they definitely got outcoached. John Harbaugh, the really inter- the this was probably the most interesting thing that I took out of this game. So John Harbaugh last year used analytics a ton. The Ravens invested in it in the 2019 offseason, and the Ravens were the most aggressive team on fourth down last year. Part of it, you know, having Lamar Jackson helps. But most aggressive team on fourth down, going for two in the situations that it said to. But yesterday going for the field goal on fourth and three from the 15 12 i don't remember exactly where it was uh which i think is probably about even probability but i would have guessed in facing a chief's offense that john harbaugh would generally go for that and the other thing that was huge is a big analytics thing is if you're down 14 and score a touchdown so then you get down eight 
you should always go for two because pretty much the way it works is you increase your win probability by like five percent when you do so and five percent doesn't sound like a ton but in one play changing your win probability by five percent just by making the decision to go for it that's a huge change because even if you don't make it if you don't uh get the two-point conversion the next time you score a touchdown you have a chance to score to do the two-point conversion but if you convert it the first time then you have a chance to win with just one touchdown an extra point before it goes into ot and john harbaugh went for the extra point when he was down eight instead of going for two so that was that was the most interesting thing to me uh was john harbaugh kind of going away from his analytics that he was using last year right i well i was specifically going to talk about the field goal we can go back to that now i'm thinking about it and it seems like he was putting a lot of trust regarding the going for the field goal instead of two it seems like he was putting a lot of trust in his defense which didn't look good the whole game yeah. <laughs> um that doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever uh right like they weren't able to stop the chiefs at all and then what mm-hmm. just magically in the fourth quarter it was gonna happen yeah <laughs> so there's that i do want to go back to the field goal because the second they went for that field goal i instantly thought okay they just blew it and maybe that's an overreaction actually it probably is an overreaction <laughs> <laughs> but you said it you're playing the chiefs who we know are going to put points up on you you want to get ahead early if possible and to go for three points there rather than seven just seems really weak to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Really weak. Yeah, like like I said, I don't have the exact win probabilities for if you take the field goal there versus if you go for it. But my guess is, based off of what I've read in the past, a fourth and three from the 12 to 15-ish yard line, it's pretty much even generally. So my thought is then it's like coach's discretion, but at least my logic, obviously I'm not pretending to know more than John Harbaugh. Like, let's, let me get this out there first. (laughs) So I'm not saying you made a bad decision, but my logic or my intuition would be that, Oh, we're facing the chiefs. We should go for it. Um, and try and get the touchdown on the drive, but he went for the field goal. I don't think it was a bad decision. I think maybe going for it would have been a little bit of better decision, similar to a week ago with Anthony Lynn going for it on fourth and one against the Chiefs. Equal win probability either way, but you're facing the Chiefs. Chiefs have a good chance of scoring. I think he was probably playing a little conservatively on that. So let's talk about, I think we both mentioned by now that they were simply outcoached. Um, and I will, I think also you, actually, I know you would never, ever, ever in your life say this, but should the Ravens have stuck to their run game? We know that's what they do well, and they just didn't really do that. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, um, so that's actually a big misconception of analytics. People think analytics say, oh, you should never run the ball. You should always pass it. But analytics actually just say you should do whatever you do best. It's just generally that's passing the ball. Mm-hmm. 
But when you have Lamar Jackson as quarterback, Mark Ingram, uh, Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, there's very valid reason to run the ball. And I think they probably could have ran a little more. I don't think it was necessarily a bad thing to pass it, especially when you're facing the Chiefs. But they probably should have maybe stuck to the game plan a little bit more and ran it a little bit more. Yes, I agree. Um, I think there was one point specifically where we watched them drive all the way down the field by running the ball. And then on second and three, they threw. Third and three, they threw. And then it was like, what? You know, you just went down the field doing what you do best. You know, you ran it down their throats and it worked well. And then all of a sudden you just tried to become somebody you're not. I mean, that's the Chiefs offense, if we're going to be honest. Yes, it was very – I think at one point I texted my friend, and I was like, why are the Ravens not running the ball right now? And he was like, are you sick? (laughs) Like, are you okay? (laughs) Um, But, yes, you said it well. Um, I think the Andy Reid and Eric Bellamy, their just innovation that we saw in this game was – inspiring (laughs) in a way um for many people i think this game might have seemed underwhelming because we were expecting it to be much closer than it was you know even though the ravens got it to where they were only down by seven at one point it still felt like the chiefs were in control Um, and i think a large part of the reason why it was so entertaining for me was just seeing what they did with that offense it was really fun to watch and mm-hmm. also yeah, scary. <laughs> like yeah. if they're coaching like this right now in the regular season, you know, four games oh into the regular, like imagine what it's going to be in the playoffs. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, it was. That brings me to my next question. Are we seeing the start of a dynasty with these chiefs? So, I think a lot of people will throw out the dynasty term too early because they forget how hard it is to have a dynasty, especially in the NFL. Uh, In the NFL, let's think of how many dynasties we've had since 2000. We've had one. (laughs) (laughs) And that's because uh, the Patriots had, in my opinion, the greatest coach of all time, I mean, I think you put Bill Belichick and Vince Lombardi, top two. It's my personal opinion. And uh, what many people regard as the GOAT and Tom Brady, I regard him about two to three. I prefer Peyton Manning personally. But, I mean, I think you can make a very valid argument for Tom Brady as the greatest quarterback of all time. Uh, And when you have that, you know, you can have a dynasty. But let's also remember that those Patriots – they had a, from 2004 to 2014, they had a 10 year run where they had maybe the greatest quarterback of all time and maybe the greatest coach of all time, and they didn't win a single Super Bowl. Like, it's very hard to win a Super Bowl in the NFL because not only do you have to be a great team, but sometimes you just lose to a team that may be worse than you. Like last year in the playoffs, the Ravens losing the Titans. The Ravens are one of the best teams in recent memory, but they missed three or four fourth downs. The Titans had an insane third down conversion rate. 
and they lost by whatever it was, seven points. It's very hard to be a dynasty. And I think these Chiefs could very well be a dynasty. And if there's any team that will be, it, I would bet on them because they have Patrick Mahomes, who's along with Andy Reid, is the best quarterback-coach combo in the game and will be for the next at least five years. Um, but I personally would not bet on him. Like, if you want to go dynasty as, like, three rings in six years, let's put it on that. I would bet the under on that. I don't think they'll win two of the next five Super Bowls. It does seem like they have all the pieces to be one, though. Oh, definitely. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we just talked about it. We talked about the coaching. We talked about Patrick Mahomes. And not only that, but all of the pieces that they have surrounding them, I think mm-hmm. they can get a long way. So, But let's also not forget, like, we thought after 2009, oh, can the Saints be a dynasty? After 2010, oh, can the Packers be a dynasty? Uh, 2012, oh, will the 49ers be a dynasty? I mean, they didn't win the title that year, but their defense was otherworldly. And then the next two off seasons, they lost their entire defense. And <laughs> the NFL is a lot of turnover. And I think we take it for granted how often that happens. And especially considering... A lot of these guys are getting expensive. <laughs> Pat Mahomes, Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey. These guys are not cheap. So it's going to be really tough to continue this dynasty if they end up doing it. Totally. So I think with that being said, there's absolutely no concern for the Chiefs. They are a great football team. I think ultimately they were the better team in this matchup. And I think we're going to see them again. I think we'll see them in the AFC championship mm-hmm. and hopefully the Ravens will figure it out by then how to beat the Chiefs <laughs> or make it closer at least. I mean, like if we're looking at Lamar's history against the Chiefs, the other two games he's faced them, I mean, he's lost, but he hasn't played poorly. Like last year when he faced the Chiefs, uh, he had a 62 QBR uh, against them, which is above average, I mean, below average for him. But he didn't play that poorly. He led him to, I think, 27 points. And then his rookie season, he led him to 24 points. It got into OT, and he had a 70 QBR. So he hasn't played that poorly against the Chiefs in the other matchups. It it was mainly this one. It's just the defense kind of let him down in those ones as well. So how much weight are you putting on this game? Is it like... Oh my goodness, the Ravens are not the team we thought they were. They're so bad. <laughs> like they're and by so bad I mean like maybe fourth in the AFC. <laughs> you know? Um, or is it no, they're up there. They're still contenders. They'll figure it out. They tried to play a game that wasn't theirs and clearly it didn't work out for them. We'll still see them deep in the playoffs. The amount of weight I put on this game is pre-game or like pre before this game, I had the Ravens and the Chiefs as one A and one B in the AFC, and like everybody else lower than them, like a pretty big gap. And my opinion was, you can pretty much choose whoever. I don't care who's one A, who's one B. Uh, now it's the Chiefs are one, the Ravens are two, and there's still the big gap right. between those two and the other teams in the AFC. I. 
think the Ravens are still a great team. Mm-hmm. I think there's still a big gap between those two teams and everybody else, which is probably Pittsburgh is the third best team, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess Buffalo will also be up there. But I think there's still a big gap between those teams and the Ravens. I agree. I also don't think we'll see the Ravens defense look this bad again this season. Um, Mm -hmm. It's crazy to me because (laughs) there's, yes, I, they just looked terrible. And for the longest time, I mean, maybe since last season, the Ravens defense have always been top tier to me. Mm -hmm. And I saw them this game and I was just, Kind of like who's out there <laughs> yeah. um, right now. So I don't expect to see them like that again. Yeah. Like before I this game, definitely. the defense had allowed one screen pass for negative two yards. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of crazy. Um, maybe they're not going to look that good again, but I'm, yeah. I don't expect them yeah. to look this bad again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, I would have, definitely have to agree with that. And like you said, if the Chiefs are the Ravens' kryptonite, they're the whole NFL's kryptonite. Except for maybe the Chargers, which we saw last yeah, weekend. Yeah, evidently. Except for maybe Justin Herbert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, this is weird because usually I start the podcast with like going through Thursday night football and then moving on all the way up until Monday night. But because this was the Monday night game, I figured we needed to start with it because it was uh-huh. still the, I mean, I would still consider it the game of the year. Oh yeah. Based off, you know, the schedule. Uh-huh. <laughs> Joked with my friends and said it might be more entertaining than the Super Bowl. Of course, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um, oh, yeah. But that just proves how, you know, the hype that led up to this game. Definitely. All that being said, I think there's also some hype that led up to Sunday Night Football, and that's the game I think we need to talk about next. So maybe we'll just make our way backwards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm really excited to talk to you about this, because I we haven't talked about this game yet. No, not really. Um, and this is your team. Although oh, yeah. I'm assuming we'll hear absolutely no bias whatsoever. <laughs> None. We'll stay objective. Um, but you know on paper it was a close game you know we have the Packers we have the Saints but the whole time I was watching it I did not feel like the game was very close I felt like the Packers were in the driver's seat nearly the whole time and I wasn't really ever concerned that they were going to lose which is frustrating because my pick of for this game was the Saints. <laughs> um, but I want to hear maybe now is like your only time you can be a little biased and show us your true colors. <laughs> Were you nervous at all watching this game? Like at any point, oh, yeah. did you really? Yeah, okay. definitely. Why is that? Um, I was probably most nervous around the start of the fourth because I the Packers were definitely not in the driver's seat the entire game. Let's not forget that uh, I think it was around 13 minutes left in the fourth. The Saints had the ball, tie game, and were driving. But then luckily, uh, Taysom Hill, who the Packers actually released when he was a rookie, um, he fumbled it. And I think it was like a change of 20% win probability, 24%, something like that. 
some insane amount. He fumbled it at the Saints, no, the Packers 40, and the Packers recovered, and after that, Packers were kind of in control. But Wait, I'm going to cut you off right there, because can we just talk about this since you brought it up? Why? (laughs) I totally understand, you know, they were trying to be pretty, you know, get creative. Mm-hmm. But why? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so I still don't know. I've thought about it since, what, Monday night? I've tried to understand their logic and their reasoning and their perspective. And I just haven't... Maybe I should send them a personal email and be like, can you just explain this to me? Because I'm confused. <laughs> yeah. Um, but again, even then, I would still probably be confused. I'm not going to pretend to know more than Sean Payton. Sean Payton's a genius. Like, let us let me get that straight. But a big thing on analytics Twitter is why do they use Taysom Hill so much at quarterback when you have Drew Brees? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, why do you, you, and why do you use Taysom Hill so much running when you have Alvin Kamara? <laughs> right. I don't get it. So it's... I don't exactly get it. It's like the worst of both worlds. I get maybe every once in a while using him, but I thought paying him $10 million a year for two years was absolutely stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? It worked out for the Packers, so I'm happy <laughs> with it. Uh, yeah, like I said, I don't exactly get it. But right. there, there, there's another play where Taysom Hill had two guys. He was passing. He had two guys wide open over the middle on crossing routes and didn't throw it to either and then just ran for like a six-yard gain. And again, if there was Drew Brees back there, he would have hit either one of those guys for a 20-yard gain. So mm-hmm. I don't get it, but that's just me. Okay, while we're talking about Taysom Hill, though, and Drew Brees, and I think we both agree that Drew Brees, I mean, he's not what I thought he was going to be. He's regressed a lot, and I wasn't expecting it to be this Yeah, much. definitely. Or, I guess, this early in the season. Because um, uh-huh. we saw this at the end of last season, right? Yeah, for sure. I just wasn't expecting it to be week three and me talking about this. If at any point they replace Drew Brees, would you replace him with Jameis or Taysom Hill? That's weird. It feels weird to just say his first name. So you get the question. I'm going to answer that with a question. Okay. If you could replace your starting quarterback, would you replace him with a quarterback or a tight end? <laughs> a quarterback. <laughs> then I'm choosing Jameis Winston. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Jameis, Jameis is a legitimately like not terrible quarterback. People see the 30 interceptions and like 10 fumbles, and don't get me wrong, that's terrible. But that's also the exception with Jameis. Like, he shouldn't – some of those were just unlucky balls that were, like, tipped at the line of scrimmage. And I think he generally averaged closer to one interception a game throughout his career, maybe a little bit less. I don't remember the – I don't have the exact stats with me. But a lot less than the 30 picks he had last year. And he is a legitimately, like, not bad quarterback. I think he's – his first five seasons in terms of – expected points added per play. He averaged around 15. He even had a season where he was around 8th, I think. And you can't be a bad quarterback and be hitting those numbers for a 4 or 5 season sample size. 
Jameis Winston is not a bad quarterback. He had a bad season last year. But the fact that the Saints were able to scoop him up for $1 million, that was an absolute steal. And I think if you have Jameis Winston, especially post-LASIK Jameis Winston, <laughs> uh, then you have to choose him. Like, I think he's the best backup quarterback in the league. So, yes. Okay. I forgot that you were a Jameis Winston stan. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, okay. Anyways, so we were talking about you were nervous until <laughs> Taysom <laughs> had that play in uh-huh. the fourth. I think it was five minutes into the fourth quarter, and it was just a hot mess. Yeah. And then you weren't mm-hmm. nervous. Oh, I was still nervous. Oh, okay. You were still nervous. I was I was nervous until the end. I I generally am pretty nervous during Packers games because I've seen them <laughs> choke away games. Uh, let's just say that. <laughs> um, like, does a certain like divisional round game come to mind? Uh, it wasn't divisional round, but it was NFC oh, championship. You're right. Yes, you're right. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> But yes, that definitely does come to mind. Even <laughs> I was watching the game with one of my friends and they were like, oh, it's over. And I was like, no, it is definitely <laughs> not, not over. over. Do not say that in my house, in my presence. Because <laughs> the Saints still had the chance to get the onside kick. And I was like, have you not watched the last two weeks of football? We've seen two onside kicks recovered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's definitely not over. But I mean, it was very close to being over and then once the Packers got the onside kick it was over so that was when I stopped being nervous (laughs) (laughs) okay great (laughs) I always say that I have PTSD from well you know we don't have to talk about it yeah but I feel like we relate in that sense except the only difference is my team is what caused your PTSD (laughs) yeah pretty much Okay. Um, um. Do you think the only reason you didn't see the Packers in the driver's seat is because you were a fan? Because for me, it felt like the whole time the Saints were fighting for every yard and every first down, and it was for the Packers. It just looked easy. Yeah. So I I did feel like we were in the driver's seat, or the Packers were in the driver's seat. I should say that. That doesn't mean I wasn't nervous. <laughs> okay, okay. So, it's like, yeah, I definitely felt the Packers were in the driver's seat and should win this game. But the, I was still nervous because I've seen I've seen the Packers lose games that they should win. And, yeah. So, you take back your statement from, like, three minutes ago when you said the Packers were definitely not in the driver's seat. Oh, I'm sorry. My bad, my bad. <laughs> I... When I originally thought you when you yes. said driver's seat, I thought you meant like had complete control. Yeah. And I guess they had some control over the game is okay. what I'm trying to say. Like <laughs> they were definitely not a guarantee. Great. Okay. At any point. Just Sorry. had to make sure that was clarified. Yeah. My um, bad. But I want to talk about two things relating to this game, and of course, I'm sure that'll lead to more and more and more things. First. <laughs> Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers in this offense because going into the season, I was slightly nervous for them, you know, and I texted you multiple times about this, you know, like why didn't the Packers draft any wide receivers in the draft? Mm -hmm. Um, Why did they take Jordan Love with their first round pick? 
um, please explain this to me. I, I didn't envision their offense being what it was now. And it, yet here we are. <laughs> and Aaron Rodgers looks amazing. And he makes the people around him look really good also. Definitely. <laughs> what? Did you see this coming? I mean, you kind of did, right? Because you, you justified the Jordan Love pick to me. I think multiple yeah. times because I asked you about it multiple times because yeah. it still never made sense to me. But it looks like he's doing just fine with the weapons he has now. Why do you think that is? So my take in the offseason was I would have liked a first-round wide receiver, but there really wasn't a ton on the board that I liked. And evidently it was the same with Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst. Um, because they didn't draft him, obviously. But <laughs> the thing with wide receivers is they don't, a lot of times they don't uh, have a ton of production that first year. Like some do, A.J. Brown last year, Justin Jefferson uh, this Sunday. But he didn't do, also didn't do much the first two weeks. So we'll see how he ends up doing the rest of the season. But it's not like we can sit up here and say, oh, if the Packers would have drafted the first-round wide receiver, he would have had 1,000 yards. Like, he maybe would have gotten 500. But let's be real and say that I think Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scanley probably would end the season with more, even if they drafted a rookie wide receiver. I was going into the offseason thinking, obviously, Devontae Adams, number one wideout, top five wideout in football, uh, in my opinion, probably – at worst, top 10. And Alan Lazard, from the games that I watched him last year, he improved so much. And he was one of Aaron Rodgers' most most trustworthy targets. I don't know exactly his third down target share, but it has to be really high because it seems like almost every third down, it's either going to Devontae Adams or, or Alan Lazard. And he has really good hands. You can tell Aaron Rodgers trusts him. And he's able to get open well. So I was going into the season pretty fine with Alan Lazard as the number two receiver, especially with Aaron Jones out of the backfield being a legit receiving threat and Marquez Valdez-Scanling being a legit, like, deep threat. I wasn't that worried. I didn't think the offense would be this good, but I think you can pretty much attribute that to Aaron Rodgers kind of finding his 2010 to 2014 form in Matt LaFleur's offense and, like, actually playing in rhythm. So I think the biggest reason for this offense is the fact that Aaron Rodgers is looking more like vintage Aaron Rodgers versus the fact that the weapons I, – I do think the weapons are fine. I don't think they're the best weapons in the league. Like, just look at Tom Brady's weapons in Tampa Bay for some better ones. But – or, I guess, Pat Mahomes' weapons. But – I think they're perfectly fine, and that was pretty much my take throughout the offseason. So I'm not super surprised that the offense is good. I'm surprised that their offense is this good, though. Okay. I want to respond to that with bringing up – you know, we talked about coaching with the first game and how the Ravens were just outcoached. Um, talked about how great Andy Reid and Bellamy are – I want to talk about Matt LaFleur now. Because <laughs> uh -huh. 
I think, and you, I'm sure, agree, I think he needs some more national recognition. Oh, definitely. Right? Since he's joined the Packers, they're 16-3 and in the regular season, 17-4 and <laughs> if you include the playoffs. You know, Rodgers just looks a lot more confident. Their offense looks like they're playing in sync. Mm-hmm. The game plan in these games just seems really well thought out. Um, you know, it's amazing. Honestly, where do you think, why do you think no one's talking about him? Or maybe people are and I just don't hear it or see it. I also haven't heard much okay, of people talking about him. So I, I, I honestly don't know. Like the fact that he went 13-3 last year with the team that the year before went, I think it was 7-9, something like that, 6-10. and 10. I don't remember. I try not to think about that. <laughs> Uh, no, it was uh, six nine and one. That was it. And took over a team, led them to seven more wins than they had the previous season. And so far this year, three and zero. I think he should be getting more national recognition than he is, especially considering how good Aaron Rodgers has looked recently. Because I do think it's partially Aaron Rodgers being healthy, but also partially the fact that Matt Lafleur has gotten him to buy into the system and actually throw in rhythm. But yeah, I don't know why he's not getting the national recognition he deserves. Um, just got to call Skip Bayless and Colin Coward for that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we can DM him. Yeah. We'll DM him the link to the podcast. And make exactly. Sure he knows. <laughs> Skip, um, listen to 30 minutes into this. <laughs> do you think what Aaron Rodgers is doing is sustainable? Uh, I believe he'll definitely regress a little bit because I don't know his exact stats right now. I I could look it up pretty quickly, but he's been playing pretty out of his mind. All right, here it is. He's averaging like 300 yards per game, uh, 67 completion percentage, 8.5 yards per attempt, three touchdowns a game. I don't think he'll sustain this throughout the season. Uh, if he did, it would be a 48 touchdown to zero interceptions, <laughs> which most likely is not going to happen. <laughs> but I do think it'll be his best season since 2016. And I think he'll end the season as a top five quarterback. Maybe not at the level that he's at now. And he might be like a little bit below, you know, Russ and Pat Mahomes. But I do think he's still going to be playing well throughout that end of the season, especially because my big thing is that he's throwing in rhythm for the first time really since 2016-ish, in my opinion, like the run-the-table era. But he's throwing in rhythm, and when Aaron Rodgers does that, plus his ability to escape the pocket and improvise, it's kind of scary for the rest of the league. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. I... I want to bring this up <laughs> um, on the first time we did an episode together of this podcast, we did that team draft um, and you kind of talked about how the NFC North seemed wide open. You know, it could be anyone's to win. And then there was me who took the Packers pretty early. I was pretty convinced it was going to be their division and it was just going to be that. Do you think that is true? I mean, it's been three weeks, of course. I, 
Oh, sorry, too long. No, it's been three weeks, of course, and honestly, I think all the other teams in the NFC North, they, they don't look great. I think the Bears, you know, they're 3-0, and but they're probably the worst 3-0 and team. Yeah. Um, I just, I really feel like this is the Packers division to lose, in a sense. They, I don't see anyone stopping them. Yeah, I would have to say, I would agree that it's their division to lose. That doesn't mean I'm not nervous that they can lose it. That's because you were a fan. <laughs> oh, I agree. Um, but I mean, the Bears are a three and O team, mm-hmm. and Nick Foles looked legitimately good. So we'll see how long that'll last because for Nick Foles, it comes in like four game stretches. But we'll see how long the Bears uh, are or will keep playing well. I think their defense is good. And I think if Nick Foles can play well, then they'll have a legit shot at the division. The Vikings, I'm I'm just surprised at the Vikings. I thought they would be. Did anyone I see forgot, this coming? Yeah, I, I definitely forgot how much they lost on the defense going into the season. Otherwise, I probably would have picked. I probably wouldn't have picked them when I did because mm-hmm. they've lost so many people. And I just totally forgot about that. And their offense. Their offense without Diggs is not nearly as good as their offense with Diggs. So that's the other thing. But, and I don't know if the Vikings will be able to climb out of this 0-3 hole, mm-hmm. especially when you have two 3-0 and teams in the division. So I think at this point it's probably between the Packers and Bears, but weirder things have happened. So we'll see. Okay, and then on the other side of the ball, so we talked about the Packers. We talked about how, you know, prior to the season starting, we thought they could win the division, but maybe not. And now we have the Saints, who <laughs> you know how high I was on the Saints going into the season. Oh, yeah. Uh, I loved them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Some people were questioning whether or not I was actually a Seahawks fan. Some people thought I was a Saints fan. I'm just going to put it out there. I'm not a Saints fan. (laughs) Um, But I thought they were going to be really good this season. And here they are. You know, opposite of how the Packers are performing. They are not good. (laughs) Um, Should After last week, I said I wasn't nervous. Right now, I'm still going to say I'm not nervous because, and this is scary, <laughs> uh, my reasoning is that Drew Brees still didn't have Michael Thomas, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not quite sure how long I can keep using that as an excuse for him. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Very Are fair. you worried about the Saints? I am a little worried, if only because... Tampa Bay's defense looks very good. Mm, yeah. I mean, my friends and I joke that Tom Brady's the best motivator of his defense and special teams because they always seem to be near the top of the league. But whatever it is, whether it's luck, legitimately motivating them, I don't know. But their defense is near the top of the league in a lot of categories, and I think they're at the top of the league in EPA per play. And... Due to the fact that there's that, they have a ton of weapons. And even though I do think Tom Brady's not nearly as good as he is or as he was before, and I think he's like a middle-of-the-road quarterback, he's still Tom Brady. He'll get you what you need 
uh, on offense. He's a good quarterback, not a great quarterback, but he's a good quarterback still. And the Buccaneers look like a very complete team. And if Drew Brees isn't playing like Drew Brees, it's going to be tough for the Saints to win without Michael Thomas. But luckily, it looks like their next three games are against the Lions, Chargers, and Panthers. So those should hopefully, if you're a Saints fan, be 3-0. and And then you're looking at a 4-2 record through six games, which isn't bad. Mm-hmm. Um, Want to go back to the Michael Thomas thing? Not only is it hard for their team to win, the Saints, <laughs> without him, it is also hard for my fantasy team to win without him. So it would be ideal if he came back That's sooner fair. rather than later. Um. I guess what I'm nervous about, well, I thought Kamara and Thomas and Breeze, you know, that is a solid, that's, you know, comparable to other threes that we see in the league. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, other than the fact that Drew Breeze is not as good as he once was. Well, yeah. nicely. <laughs> not throwing it um, down the field. <laughs> but... I'm really after the first game I thought the defense was going to carry them which was weird for me and then yeah. I looked at the stats cuz I mean that first game against the Buccaneers like they looked good the defense oh, looked yeah, definitely. good they made Tom Brady look terrible Exactly and then <laughs> I looked and I don't know if that now I'm thinking is that just cuz it was Tampa Bay's first game you know trying to figure things out because um, I went back and, you know, through three weeks, <laughs> their defense is allowing 100 rush yards per game. They're allowing 31.3 points per game. And they're allowing a touchdown on 83% of red zone drives. Yeah. That's, that's not that's not a defense that's going to get you very far, at least. And like yeah, you said, not ideal. considering the Buccaneers, they seem like the most complete team in the NFC. I want to talk about that later. We don't talk about it now. Um, but also the fact that they're in the Saints division, it seems I'm getting slightly worried, but I'm not counting them out yet. Yeah, I definitely think if there's a silver lining to that, the red zone defensive like efficiency, how much they give up, mm-hmm. how many touchdowns they give up per red zone trip, that will probably regress some. Like, you generally see that being pretty stable across the league. And I think it's just the fact that they faced Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers in two out of those three weeks. So the fact that people were able to capitalize off their drives on a smaller sample size, I think their defense will get a little bit luckier in that case as the season progresses. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, their defense has not been nearly as good as – most everyone thought it would be so far this season. So that's if Drew Brees isn't Drew Brees and that defense isn't that defense, it's a little scary for a Saints fan. <laughs> yeah, totally. And yes, <laughs> for me who has Drew Brees and Michael Thomas on our <laughs> fantasy team, it's not ideal. <laughs> um, but I want to get it's not just the Saints defense that I'm concerned about, right? Like, I've seen a lot of defenses, and I'm unsure what it is, but it just seems like across the league, defenses are having a hard time stopping 
these offenses. Um, and I want to talk specifically also about while we're still on the Saints and Packers game is I wasn't thoroughly impressed with the Packers defense either. There were so yeah. many missed tackles, um, like that Kamara run at the end of the third quarter. Yeah, that was gross. Absolutely no one could bring him down. Like, I think guys could have come off the bench to try to tackle and bring him down, and they wouldn't have been able to. <laughs> yeah, that was a disgusting run. I'm sorry I, you had to witness that. Moment. Um, but <laughs> but just a ton of missed tackles around the league, across the league. It's not just the Packers, of course. Why do you think that is? So, I think the biggest reason for the scoring spike is the fact that the referees aren't calling holding as much. I don't have the exact stats with me, but they're calling it a significant amount less, like maybe 30% less than they normally would. I don't remember exactly, but that's, from what I've been reading, that's most likely generally the reason for the scoring spike. The fact that holding is not getting called as much as it normally is. Because, you know, if you get a holding on a drive, that will generally kill that drive. Like, a first and 20 is so much harder to convert than a first and 10. And if you're not getting those holding calls, you can convert, you know, one extra drive each game. That's between three to seven extra points for the game. And if you're able to do that, if each team is able to do that, then scoring is going to be going up a ton. So... That's most likely the main reason for that. People want to attribute it to a lack of preseason with, like, missed tackles. I don't think that's a huge deal. Uh, but, yeah. Yes. Okay. Interesting take. Uh, moving on. Let's see. We're talking about bad defenses. <laughs> Let's talk about the Seahawks and the Cowboys. <laughs> um, I... I'm just going to say it. Both of these defenses are terrible. <laughs> yeah. And Seahawks fans are going to hate me, but if you don't agree, then we are fans of a different Seahawks team because <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> yeah. um, it's interesting because I going into the season, I thought the Seahawks secondary was going to be really good. And then I don't know if it's because of injuries, um, what's going on there, but it looked – Absolutely. Like, fourth quarter, third quarter, it was bad. And then the fact that their secondary doesn't look good, that plus their atrocious pass rush sounds like a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the Cowboys defense is just bad. I think the reality is there should be 0-3. <laughs> And really, the only reason they're not is because Dak is their quarterback. Um, Pretty much, yeah. So, let's just talk about this game. Let's talk about these teams. We don't have to spend nearly as much time on it. Um, but, yes. Okay. Let's just talk about Dak. Because, you know, we saw in the offseason, he didn't get a contract. And then... <laughs> You know, going into this season, we knew he was going to have to prove that he deserved that contract. You look at their record, and it seems like, well, they're one and two, and they're not beating these teams who, I mean, going into it, I thought they could be two and one at this point. I would have guessed they would have lost to the Seahawks, but that's partial bias, probably. 
And really, I think the only reason they're even close to the, like, they've been competing in these games, and I think the only reason they can even compete is because Dak is their quarterback. What do you think? Oh, definitely. Uh, their defense has been a lot worse than I expected. They're probably missing the loss of Byron Jones a lot, which I believe I mentioned in our first podcast. I didn't think they'd miss him this much, but definitely seems like they're missing him due to the fact that they're secondary. <sighs> to uh, use a little bit of words is not good. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Zeke's been good. I mean, I don't think he's been great. I don't have his exact stats, but yeah, I mean, Dak's been playing very, very well, and he pretty much single-handedly led them back in the Atlanta Falcons game and almost led them to a win against the, Se- against the Seahawks this past week. But sadly, Russ is just Russ. So, well, you might be sad, but I'm not sad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, that leads me to a question. I do not want to spend a long time on this. I had a conversation with someone about this topic, though. Um, who is the most important player on the Cowboys? Is it Dak or is it Zeke? I feel like this is a question that people ask all the time just because it creates like a fun debate, but I really feel like there's only one answer and it's not debatable. Who do you think? Yeah. Considering there's analytics in my Twitter handle, (laughs) uh, I'm obviously going to choose Dak. Like it's not close. Right. Like Zeke's a good player. Don't get me wrong. But if, we just want to do some comparisons uh, right now. Very small. Uh, actually, no, I'm not even going to do a comparison because it's too small of sample size. But over the last year, I believe Tony Pollard, at, when he's at, in that running back, has had pretty much the same yards per attempt as Ezekiel Elliott. And just off of that alone, I think we can say Dak. Also, Dak's one of the top five quarterbacks in the league, in my opinion, mm-hmm. in – at worst, he's a top 10 quarterback. So a top 10 quarterback is more important than a top five running back. I think most everybody, even if you don't like analytics, would agree with that. Right. And I think the reality is, if we look at this game specifically, you know, the Seahawks held Zeke to 34 yards. Granted, yeah. he got a touchdown, but 34 yards. And then there's mm-hmm. Dak, who... Passed for 472 yards, had three touchdowns. Of course, he had two interceptions, but that's something that quarterbacks kind of deal with. You know, that's not totally obscure for that to be a thing. Um, so, yes, it's Dak for those listening. Um, and it's not close. It's not close. <laughs> like, at all. They, they should have paid him an off season and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And the reality is that as of right now, Dak has to basically – play a perfect game for them to contend at this point and he's been damn near perfect (laughs) Um, like in the game against the Seahawks he had two mistakes and that was those two interceptions you know like two that's yeah he played a great game um and he's the only reason I was at all nervous that the Seahawks could lose was because I know how good Dak is I saw what he did against Atlanta I have no doubt that he'll be able to do that in the future. I guess I just worry that, you know, I don't, I know the Cowboys are going to make the playoffs simply because 
they're in the NFC East. <laughs> um, yeah. But I'm not quite sure how far they'll make it in the postseason simply because their defense is really bad. And I think teams like the Seahawks and the Packers, um, Tampa Bay, I think they'll all be able to outlast them, whether it be their offense or their defense will be able to make a stop that the Cowboys defense just can't. I don't think they have the talent to do that. Um, so, yes. Yeah. Also, if we want to stat quickly. Yes, we love um, your stats, Jackson. That's why you're here. <laughs> uh, so on first and second down this season, the Cowboys drop back EPA per play is 0.2. And their rush EPA per play is negative 0.2. So just based off that, I think we can logically say it's Dak. Mm -hmm. But I will be the one to say it. The fact that their defense is terrible is really good for my fantasy team because it means Dak has to continue throwing <laughs> and has to average 400 yards a game, which he has. <laughs> that is, <laughs> which is insane. also why Dak is the quarterback of two of my four teams. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm not upset at all whatsoever. Um so I I don't know what else there is to really cover about this game. We can talk about how good Russell Wilson is, but I don't really Everybody know. knows that at this point. I think everyone knows that and if you don't know that, you need to go watch him play more. Definitely. <laughs> um but I do want to talk about how far we see Russ leading them. You know, we talked about if what Aaron Rodgers is doing is sustainable. Is Russ, like, is what he's doing sustainable? Um, how, it is interesting, though, because in previous years, it really felt like Russ had to earn every, well, previous posts, like, the Seahawks star defense just, like, falling apart. Yeah. Um. But it felt like we were relying on Russ to, you know, win us games. I use us as if I'm a Seahawk. <laughs> like, I'm not a Seahawk, but this is my team. I'll start referring to them as they. But, so they're using Russ. <laughs> um, of course, previous years. But it was in the fourth quarter, you know, really those final two drives where they're coming back. But now they're just doing that a little earlier. I still, it makes me nervous because I don't think that's sustainable. Yeah, so I'd say if we look at Russ's stats, it's definitely not sustainable. He's going to regress some. That's just due to the fact that he's posted otherworldly stats that have literally never been done to start a season. Well, you know what, Jackson? It's because he's Mr. Unlimited. <laughs> he's Mr. Unlimited, I guess. But he's not going to continue with, uh, uh, what is it, 14 touchdowns to one interception with that one interception solely being the fact that Greg Olson had bricks for hands. Yeah. Um, and... I don't think he'll be able to continue the 77% completion percentage. Mm -hmm. The nine yards per attempt is kind of insane. But with DK Metcalf, it's possible due to the fact that he's such a good deep threat. But some of these stats are going to regress. I don't think they'll regress a ton. I think it's similar to Aaron Rodgers, where they're not going to be as good as the first three games have been. But they'll still be really good. 
and they'll still be top two in the league, in my opinion, mm -hmm. in the case of Russ. So, yes, it's interesting to me. So Schottenheimer has released Russ on early downs. This is mm -hmm. new. Percy Hawks fans, this is very new. Yeah. Um, they're currently passing the football the most in the league. And I sent you the graph, the chart that shows yeah. that they're, what, second in the most passing it on the second and long pass rate or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. That is just, it's new. And as of right now, Russ is three for three on balls like 40 plus air yards passes that are going 40 or more yards and yeah. they've earned the Seahawks two touchdowns. So kind of crazy. And I, I think probably a third should have been a third was the third one, the DK uh, mess up. Uh, yes. It was the DK mess up. <laughs> so it should have been three for three <laughs> of the touchdowns, but DK is DK. Which hey, it's okay. <laughs> if it happens again though. <laughs> yeah. They still won. So mm -hmm. that's all that matters. Um, another Russell Wilson fact, spending the longest time in the pocket, um, which I think is a testament to his ability to be able to avoid rushers, but also the offensive line, which ranks fifth in ESPN's pass blocked win rate metric, which also for Seahawks fans is new. <laughs> um, having a good offensive line is different. So I see Russ being able to lead this team far um, as I mean, definitely, like you said, top two team, I think they could be the first or second seed in the NFC, and I'm going to knock on wood right now, but, <laughs> um, as far as making a Super Bowl appearance or winning a Super Bowl, it stresses me out because our defense is not great. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Keep no, I, I'm basically just going to say at some point they have to make a stop and I'm not super convinced they could do that if it was against like Aaron Rodgers or you know if they make the Super Bowl like Patrick Mahomes mm -hmm. yes yeah I think the biggest thing that's going to hurt the Seahawks is the fact that this year the number one seed carries so much weight because you're the only team that has a bye. And they're in a division with the 49ers, the Cardinals, and the Rams. And the Packers are in the division with yeah. the Bears, Vikings, and Lions. Mm -hmm. So if you're betting on any team right now, and I guess the if you want to go with the Buccaneers or Saints, throw those guys in there. They're in a division with the Panthers and Falcons. If you want to bet on any team right now, those other ones might be looking at a little bit better bets just because they probably have a better chance to get the number one seed because the Seahawks have a lot more tougher games. Oh, and the number one seed is going to be so important this year. Mm -hmm. So that's probably the only thing that's looking bad. Plus, I guess their secondary not being as good as advertised. Yes. And the fact that we have absolutely no pass rush. Which, yeah. how many times have you heard me say that, Jackson? <laughs> um, so many. <laughs> if we started with the offseason, probably 50, 60, I don't know. <laughs> Too many. The last thing I want to talk about in this regarding this game is that play by Tristan Hill on Chris Carson. I bring it up because, one, Chris Carson is on your fantasy team, and we talked about whether or not he'd be playing this weekend. 
Secondly, um, do you think it was a dirty play? Oh, definitely. Like, there's no reason to do it. He was already on the ground. Mm-hmm. You're obviously just going to twist his leg. Like, that's objectively a dirty play. You probably should have gotten at least a one-game suspension for it. Yes. Okay. Take away from these this game. We're not necessarily worried about the Cowboys uh, making the playoffs simply because they are in the NFC East. Yeah. Um, secondly, we... I mean, I think I'm a little bit, it's weird because the Seahawks won this game and I shouldn't be worried about them. But the reality is, though they won this game, their defense did not look good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's concerning, although I guess there are a lot of unbalanced teams. You know, we talked about the Packers, we talked about the Saints. Um, there's a lot of unbalanced teams in the NFC, and I guess they have that going for them. But these are definitely issues that I think need to be addressed if i guess in order to make a deep postseason super bowl appearance mm-hmm, definitely okay that's it uh i we don't have no more time to go into any more games although <laughs> i do <laughs> i do want let's take some hot takes and predictions oh we didn't even talk about covid yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, I mean, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, their game being postponed to at least Monday, maybe Tuesday. Um, we saw the eight Titans employees test positive, And then, of course, say Wednesday, there was one more. So nine total. Um, it's really interesting to me. I feel bad for Tennessee because at this point, if this game happens still, they obviously do not get to prepare. Whereas Pittsburgh gets to prepare as if there's the normal game that's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's tough. It puts them at a disadvantage, of course. But I think this is a great sign for other teams where it's like, of course, don't mess up. Don't mess up. You know, take those extra precautions because if not, and if this happens to your team, this is how we're going about it. And. Mm-hmm. You are going to get one day to prepare for your game that week, yeah. basically. And, of course, you don't want any of your star players to get it. Um, but, yeah, like, could you imagine if Derrick Henry yeah. <laughs> or Tannehill, like, tested positive? Yeah, that would, hot, be real right? that would be real tough. Um, so, and then, of course, we've seen the league send out fines to various coaches who haven't worn their face masks. And then, again, sending out a memo. I think ultimately this could be a wake-up call for the league where it's like if you want this season to continue on as smooth as possible, wear your face mask, be smart, take those extra precautions. Otherwise, this is what's going to happen. And if anything, you're going to get fined a lot of money for not wearing your mask. So just wear it, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, what I would do is I read something. It's like I think they might be able to move this game to week eight because – Either one team has a bye and they can move a different game of theirs or they both have a bye. But what I would say if I was league, I would say, all right, we're moving this game. But if any of you other teams later on the season get some positive cases and we have to cancel a game, you're just forfeiting. Mm-hmm. Like, I think otherwise, unless you add a week eight team and kind of take away that week in between the Super Bowl or like the NFC and AFC championships in the Super Bowl, and you add a week 18 to make up games, I think it's going to be way too hard to do all that. So 
I think forfeits may be the way to go. Wake some wake some teams up and players. Totally. I agree. As long as it doesn't happen. No, even if it happened to the Seahawks, I would definitely be like, it's your fault. <laughs> um, okay. So Philadelphia plays San Francisco this week. Uh, they, I mean, they're 0-2 and 1. <laughs> I don't know if anyone was expecting this. We saw them settle for a field goal. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's talk about that quickly. Let's talk about Carson Wentz really fast. How long does Carson Wentz play this poorly before we see Jalen Hurts? I think they're committed to him with a big contract. I think he's the starting quarterback until at least they're out of playoff contention. Then at that point, if he's playing as poorly as he is the first three weeks, which he's played terribly, I think it's efficiency-wise, he's like the third-worst quarterback in the league, only ahead of like Dwayne Haskins and maybe Daniel Jones. I don't remember exactly. So great quarterbacks in that division behind Dak. <laughs> but if he's still playing that poorly through the end of the season, maybe the last two games we get to see Jalen Hurts, see what they have in him. I don't know. I think they'll – be with him for the near future at least mm -hmm. i did see this take i honestly don't remember who it was i feel very bad about that um so week four this week they play san francisco then after that they play pittsburgh <laughs> and then after that they play the ravens <laughs> um, and basically this person's take was if they go oh and two against i mean the 49ers and then pittsburgh do you just put in Jalen Hurts and say, here, <laughs> we expect that you're going to lose against the Ravens, but at this point, Carson Wentz needs, like, a mental break? Do you do that just for his mental health, or do you put him out there, assuming they go 0-2 against those teams, do you put him out there to play Baltimore and probably lose again? When you commit $130 bucks to one player, you have to do it. You put it there. Yeah. And I don't want Jalen Hurts' first game to be against the Ravens. Exactly. <laughs> so Although, I don't want to just ruin that career before mm -hmm. it starts. So When yeah. I first heard that idea, though, of course, the, like, optimistic person in me was like, yeah, I could totally see Jalen Hurts having an underdog game where he just leads him to victory <laughs> against the Ravens. But let's be honest, the likelihood of that happening is probably extremely slim. Yeah, with their receivers. <laughs> He'll be running, and, and their offensive line just being terrible this year. He'll be running all over the place. Oh, gosh. It would be a nightmare. It would be an absolute disaster. Mm -hmm. All right, next, I want to talk about Chicago. They're 3-0. and 3-0, and okay? Three wins, zero losses. And they made a quarterback change. Um, <laughs> we saw them announce that Nick Foles was going to take over that starting quarterback position. This is fascinating to me. Like, at what point have we seen a team go undefeated through three games and then the coach announced, yeah, we're going to bench our quarterback <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> um, our backup is now our starter. Just a very weird storyline. Do you see mm -hmm. Nick Foles being successful? I think he'll be Nick Foles. So I think he'll have some very good games. I think he'll have some very bad games. I think they'll average out to be solid, like better than Trubisky, but not great. So I think he'll be good enough considering the defense is good. He has some weapons around him. 
I think they'll, he'll probably end up leading them to maybe like, I don't know, say 10 and six record, seven and three the rest of the season. Um, which, or no, I'm sorry, not 10 and six. No, that would be seven and three. That would be, goodness. I'm sorry, that would be seven and six. So like, maybe, sorry, I, I thought they were all in three, not three and oh for some, for some reason. <laughs> Come on, um, Jack, you're supposed to be good at math. <laughs> yeah. But I think I'll, I'll end up going like, you know, maybe to the 10-6 point, maybe get them to 11-5. We'll mm-hmm. see. They have a good head start at 3-0. I think we'll be solid. I don't think it'll be great, but I don't think it'll be bad. Although I will say it's very funny that you thought they were 0-3 because they very easily could be 0-3. <laughs> yeah. That's um, and then final hot take. <laughs> this probably isn't even a hot take. I just felt like it should be mentioned. <laughs> so... Is this the third week in a row that we've seen Green Bay in a primetime game? Were they primetime uh, last week? So they were primetime, like, are you talking about a week ago, week two? No, they were 12 o'clock slot. Oh, maybe it just felt, who were they playing? Oh, Detroit. That's so weird. I feel like I've seen them so much recently, but okay. Um, that Monday night football slot, we have Atlanta and Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> I think I, I, you saw this, I'm sure. Uh, Mina Kimes' joke about <laughs> how if 2020 were a division in the NFL, it would be the NFC East. Yeah. <laughs> it's a hot mess. It's terrible. Definitely. I'm going to go as far to say that if 2020 were an actual team, it would be Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. I, that's kind of fair. I genuinely feel bad for this fan base. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's. I couldn't understand it. <laughs> it's so sad. It is just bad. Bad, 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 yeah, bad. It's um, tough. Do you see Atlanta competing with Green Bay and potentially winning and maybe having a lead and not blowing it? <laughs> I definitely think they could. Um, I mean, they've blown us out in the past 26, 2016 playoffs. Uh, but I mean, it's a lot different team back then. But. I do think that considering the Packers' defense hasn't been that great, uh, Atlanta should be able to score. And you know what? Sometimes you just get lucky, like tips ball, maybe Aaron Rodgers gets an interception, maybe a fumble scores away from Aaron Jones. You gain a possession that way, Atlanta scores almost every possession. You know, it's steal possession. They could win in a shootout. I do think it'll be a shootout, and I think one team will have to score at least 40 points to win. <laughs> but we'll see what it ends up being. Obviously, at this moment, I personally bet on the Packers. Most people would probably bet on the Packers. But I'm not going to count the Falcons out because they're definitely a better team than their own three record, considering they should have won two games. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, I think we'll leave it off for there. That was a lot of NFL more than the NFL, there is. I think this is a great time for sports, um, oh, which yeah. is weird. We're in the middle of a pandemic, but of course we have the NFL. Um, really great games. MLB postseason started yesterday, and then tonight we have the NBA championship starting. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. In the bubble, um, I'm sure a lot of people expected to see the Lakers. I'm not quite sure how many people expected to see Miami. 
I know yeah. I didn't expect to see Miami. I am very sad to see Miami. Um, who are you taking in how many games? So I will be picking the Lakers because I don't bet against LeBron unless they're facing four all-NBA players like the Warriors <laughs> of 2017 and 18. But I'm taking the Lakers in six. The last three series, I took the Lakers in five, Lakers in six, and Lakers in six. So I was wrong off by one game the last two series. But I do think the Heat pose a difficult matchup just because of their shooters. I think they can get hot at any moment, and they'll steal at least one game for that reason. And they could end up winning a series, definitely, if Jimmy Butler plays really good defense like he can. But I think LeBron and AD are just too much. And this is assuming some of the role players like Danny Green and KCP can step up a little bit, which they'll need to. But I think I don't bet against LeBron, so I'm choosing the Lakers in six. All right. And then I don't want to ignore the fact that the MLB playoffs started yesterday. Um, also, I'm going to take the Lakers in six, but I will not be surprised if they lose the first game. Um, That's fair, yeah. So they're going for LeBron. Yes. Now, who's going to the World Series? Who wins the World Series? My preseason pick out of the AL was the Rays. And I'm sticking with that because, I mean, they've looked great in the regular season. And the reason I picked them wasn't because I thought they'd look great in the regular season. The reason was because I thought their pitching would dominate October. And so I'm sticking with them. We won't talk about my preseason pick for the NL because they were decimated by injuries. I was the Mets. I thought they would barely make the playoffs, and I thought their pitching staff would be really good. But, like, half the rotation got injured, so I'm going away from that because they didn't make playoffs, obviously. And it's hard to bet against the Dodgers. They were so good in the regular season. They've been there before. They have a really great pitching staff. They have really great hitters. It's hard to bet against the Dodgers, so I'm picking them to make the World Series. But I'll pick the Rays over the Dodgers in seven. All right. How exciting. Now, final question. If you're going to compare LeBron to any player in the NFL, who is it and why? If I could compare him to any player in the NFL. Oh, goodness. I wasn't ready for this. <laughs> um. Well, I got this question based on the thing that I sent you about Nick Wright, the Lamar and Giannis comparison. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. All right. If you're comparing uh, any player to LeBron, who is it? Tom Brady's the easy one, but I think Tom Brady's more of a Michael Jordan comparison. If I had to choose for LeBron, I mean, Drew Brees, I, I, may, I think I might go Drew Brees. He's been pretty consi like consistently great throughout his career. Probably has won less titles than he should due to the fact that like, they've just lost some games in the postseason that they maybe shouldn't have. And like Drew Brees went through a period where the talent around him was terrible. LeBron went through a period where the talent around him was terrible. Um, I might choose Drew Brees. I mean, you could go with Aaron Rodgers due to the fact, like, otherworldly athleticism for LeBron, otherworldly arm talent for Aaron Rodgers, 
probably should have won a couple more titles, but Aaron Rodgers' defenses have been notoriously terrible in the postseason, and LeBron's teammates have sometimes been not as good as they should be in the postseason. So, Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers, wasn't I wasn't prepared for this question, so I might have to come back with a better answer, but we'll go with that for now. Okay. I was definitely taking Aaron Rodgers. I see the Drew Brees argument. But we're going to end it off there. I want to know what my listeners think. Um, if you could compare LeBron to any player in the NFL, who would it be? Um, so go ahead, DM me, comment on – I don't even know if you can do that, honestly, but email me, do whatever you want. I want to hear your thoughts. Um, with that, I say thank you for listening this week. Um, this was a fun weekend to unpack. Um, always a joy to have Jackson on. And, of course, we'll be back next week with a different guest um, and some other games to debrief. And I look forward to, I guess I don't even see you guys, but I hope you look forward to hearing me then.